Greetings. Hello, beautiful angels. Thanks for joining us today. We have a wonderful episode for you that is an incredible, compelling, inspiring, uplifting. You guys are going to be on the edge of your seat. You will probably edge off of your seat because you it's so compelling. Fall. You might need to wear... <laughs> protective gear because you might fall off your seat you might fall off your seat as you're listening to today's episode we have the lovely miss renna monet a visionary artist of the highest caliber order talent um we're just excited to share this conversation we've had with her that was riveting I don't even know how else to describe it other than it was absolutely uplifting and riveting and all of those things you can wrapped hear up a into pin one. drop Marilyn and I are not even breathing through this we were just completely there mm-hmm. listening to this story and it is so beautiful mm-hmm. and anyone who is a human being on this planet can relate to some aspect of this story. Yes. Oh yeah. It's, I think a lot of people are going to resonate with her story and they're going to feel really connected to it in their own personal way. And so, um, certainly anyone who's ever been on any sort of a healing journey. Absolutely. Uh, healing journey on, on all the levels, you know, Mm -hmm. so get ready for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know what? I'm just kind of noticing how much more upbeat we sound today. <laughs> and that's actually with some good reason because we we kind of well we discovered something. We had a huge breakthrough. There were two things that were discovered. We thought simultaneously that we were mostly dead because in our last episode because of the collective energetics and yeah, that had a factor in it. it had a factor into it. But at some point, um, through a series of events, <laughs> mainly, mainly the tip off, the tip off was the insane odor of natural gas inside the cottage. Now you all know that we rent a house for our, our practice and for recording and it's the cottage and we love this space and we've been here and you know, it's an older home and we had a little cold snap a couple of weeks ago and had kicked on the heat and thought, okay, well, that's no big deal. It's like, you know, it smells a little like natural gas and then it warmed back up and we turned the heat off and things are going along. And then we were really, really in the thick of it, (laughs) in the thick of the dark night of (laughs) trying, you know, everybody was going through their shit, right? We're going through it. What was it? The Oh, moon in Scorpio oh, or some shit like Venus that. Venus retrograde. Some place you don't want to be. 
Because no, <laughs> it's like especially not for a Libra. You no. don't have a deluminator, <laughs> and you're flying blind, and you really just are like, just end it. So. I was having a particularly challenging day and we had had a bunch of stuff planned to work over here. And I had, you know, my youngest was not feeling well and it was just a domino effect and I was really frustrated. And I had to come over and get my computer so I could work from home and do some things. And Melissa and I were both uh, had arrived simultaneously and walked in the house and it reeked. Of natural gas, <laughs> like reeked. And I was in my own personal, just, I was not in a good place. <laughs> I probably said two sentences to Melissa. I came in, I grabbed my shit, I left. I went back to my house and bless her heart, she was literally the canary in the coal mine <laughs> who calls the gas company. They come out. Well, come to find out there was a problem clearly but most importantly is that there was a very unsafe high level of carbon monoxide in the house mm-hmm. coming out of the vents well that explained a lot mm-hmm. because essentially we've been over here for a couple of weeks at least being slowly poisoned <laughs> by carbon monoxide Which makes you feel really fucking shitty. Headaches, dizziness, lack of focus, concentration, memory issues. Nausea. Is it carbon monoxide poison or poisoning or is it ascension symptoms? It's hard to tell. Marilyn and I have laughed so many times about ascension symptoms, which are real. Yeah. But I was like, when... At what point in time do you stop saying something is ascension symptoms and you really find out that you need to be in the ICU? I was like, we need to be in a hyperbaric oxygen (laughs) chamber is what we need to be in right now. I was ready to go squirt an O2 tank just to see if it would help my brain. So we're we're over over here here now by... uh, (laughs) We have, well, we had three fire canisters going. Gel fuel. And (laughs) because we can't run the heat, we can't. We are. We're over here in a danger zone with uh, cans of heat. And we got to wrap it up because there's literally just We're down just a few little bit of flame left. (laughs) (laughs) And when it goes out, that's not a good thing because it's already so damn cold. But, you know, the funniest part about it is that the ONG guy said, I just hope you haven't been lighting any candles. And literally, (laughs) if you only knew how many candles we have lit at one time, how many fires we light in here, that we did not go up in flames. I mean, this is real life. I use a blowtorch to light my charcoal for my incense. I so, mean, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, just in this room, candles. And mm-hmm. we have candles all over, altars and candles all over this house. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I marvel ah. at 
I mean, seriously, though. I mean, like someone saying team, that in a Catholic church. Our team of guides have really looked out for us this <laughs> last week by whoop, whoop. Yeah. getting us like out of here in a way that we needed to be to be safe and not blow up or die. So <laughs> either way, <laughs> it was a win-win <laughs> for for us. So. Yeah, and thanks. hopefully it was a win for y'all. Right, sure. Because here we are. Because now you get to laugh at us, you know. And get a carbon monoxide detector, please. please. If you don't have one Here's in your home. Here's the PSA. Here's the PSA. <laughs> please Do yourselves a favor. Get one. Put it in your house. Because it is the silent killer. <laughs> it, will, it will kill you. It will make you sick and you will die. <laughs> Because we were nearly dead. Uh-huh. We were very close. Like we had to have a Miracle Max intervention. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Oh. He's mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly, <laughs> mostly dead, dead and, and all dead. dead. Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm going to record this because I don't want to fucking forget it. But I had this idea. Yes. <laughs> that I wanted to do a whole thing about as I was rewatching that scene I sent to you about God's trying to tell you something mm-hmm. from the color purple mm-hmm. that I there are certain scenes in movies that I cannot watch without crying like crying tears mm-hmm. I don't give a shit how many times I watch it. Mm-hmm. I am always going to cry. Mm-hmm. There are certain things. And I was curious, what does that reveal about me in those scenes of what's going on? Which got me thinking, I would like to ask people this question. Like, I would like for people to think about that. Like, there are scenes in movies that you watch. Mm-hmm. Mine would be the, the, the English patient. I knew you were going to say that. Which I we already brought you're... up once because right. the fire is dying. The fire and we're is almost. about to be recording this in the dark. So, yeah, the cave scene when she's mm-hmm. writing that. Like knowing that she's going to die. She right. knows she's going to die. Right. And she's writing a letter and she knows she's going to die in the fucking dark in a cave in, a in cave. the middle of the desert. And right. nobody knows she's there except one person. And he's running on foot miles Miles and miles and miles in the desert. And she, right. it's been days and days and days. Clearly she knows he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. And what would you say? What would you say if you had a pen mm-hmm. and a paper? Right. For me, it's probably the those kinds of specific moments or scenes that encompass so many yes. overwhelming human emotions. Yes. That there's nothing to do but cry. Right. Because it's the only way your body can handle all of that intensity of emotion mm-hmm. that that scene it's like is it's so, invoking. It's so beautiful, but yet so sad and so haunting and so, but also so amazing uh-huh. and wondrous and incredible. And oh, yeah. Just it's so many things all at once. Oh, yeah. I. I need to think about that. I mean, I can think of all kinds of scenes that will do that today. Like, cause I sent you that clip from the color purple, which that scene of Suge 
wanting to go sing and walk into church and getting everybody from Harpo's to follow her and singing God is trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. Always. I can never make it through it. I've tried. I've tried. I'm like, oh, you're not going to cry at this. Why are you crying at this? <laughs> I cannot help it. And it gets me every time. Oh, I love that. The though. scene at the end of um, Places in the Heart when they're all in church. And it's kind of a magical, surrealist scene in that there are characters in the church that are dead, that are all there together. And everybody's there in a very peaceful, beautiful way. And they're playing an old hymn is what gets me because, of course, it. I know why that gets me. There's so much about the story itself. But in that moment, and they're playing in the garden, which is this hymn I grew up with. And if I, if I even hear those notes, that whole thing and that scene, because it's a beautiful, beautiful moment of how everything does live in our hearts and the people in our lives. And of course, it's all this stuff. Any scene that encapsulates a, 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 a sense of unconditional love and mm -hmm. freedom and fearlessness mm -hmm. Pff, mm -hmm. hand me the tissues you know so i thought this 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 occurred to me and i thought it was a really interesting thing to think about because everybody has their own version of what that those scenes are and i think it's an interesting insight to ourselves of asking that question and that's it it's the complexity the complexity of the human experience mm -hmm. all of it you know, so it was like that. It really was speaking to me of we don't think about and maybe people do, but like how things impact us on that emotional level, what level, whether it's a movie, a book, a piece of music, a piece of art, you know, and I think, well, in coming back around full circle to our episode, well, yeah, that Rena's work does that you know her creation her art it's it's everything and so much more i mean you talk about the complexity and the beauty of humans mm -hmm. i know the resilience and the transcendence i know you know the transcendence of the human experience incredible i could just burst into tears I, thinking about it right I now know. truly without further ado here's our conversation with rena monet Today's episode, we are so grateful and honored to have an amazing, brilliant artist. She's a motivational speaker, a teacher in her own right, Miss Rena Monet. Thanks for joining us today, Rena. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It is our 
pleasure, honor, and privilege. And seriously. we're just excited. Yes. yes. We're very excited. excited. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how are you doing today? How's your day going? Oh, beautiful day on the Oregon coast. It's um, it's sunny, starting to feel the fall weather. I'm loving oh. it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, we always try to remember how we found out about people that we feel so connected to. And Marilyn and I were talking, and I honestly am just drawing a complete blank. It's almost like you just instantly appeared in my Instagram feed. And it was just a beautiful, serendipitous, amazing synchronicity that happened. And I just fell in love with your artwork and... It spoke oh, to me you. on so many levels, and I recognized the intention behind it and the love and depth and honoring, you know, that takes place within one of your pieces of artwork, your beautiful creations. Mm, and, um, yeah, we're just so excited to get to know you and to to have our listeners get to know you and yay i know well and of course just your entire journey as a human being on this planet is compelling mm-hmm. and it's mm. inspirational and then of course once we found out and discovered you which you've been doing your thing for quite a while um we watched your documentary the fire and oh, ice documentary cool. awesome which of course we encourage all of our listeners it's an absolute must mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that that uh documentary really helped me a lot um uh as uh, in it it talks about um my traumatic brain injury i used to be a commercial squid fisherman and um i got in an accident when i was on the boat and lost my long-term, short-term memory, all my cognitive abilities, speech. Um, I was, I went from being extremely independent to being non-dependent and had to rely on my mother to make sure that I was eating and um, getting, driving and stuff. But that video, my, my uh, sweetheart, Alan Gordon, um, filmed for me to help me see every day what I was going through because I was kind of like 51st dates for several years. Right. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking of. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's really, it's, it's crazy to say that because I've, I'm definitely not there anymore. I've gotten my memory back, but not all of, not all my memories. I don't remember most of my life. I lost my identity. Oh. And fire and ice really helped me to see um, every day. Remind it reminded me who I was, like what my family was, where I was from. Um, and it, yeah, it was kind of like that that movie that I got to watch, like in the in Fifty First Dates, of uh-huh. myself to get me to be uh-huh. better and to know that I could overcome um, my depression and my emptiness that I that I was suffering from because I was really really depressed. And uh, Alan filmed that on um, when I had to go to Alaska. I, I to be under the care of my mother. I lived in the traumatic brain injury facility to relearn 
and to to see what I had gone through because I had a lot of pride and I didn't have a memory to even know or to, to be capable of admitting that I, I was messed up until I went into the facility. They showed me how short my memory was and, and how bad off I was and it made me work hard to get better. Um, and that yeah, that video just really helped me a lot and and I let it go viral to help other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I know that without going back and, re, you know, revisiting the entire thing, do you have any recollection of the accident when it happened? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, I have a crazy life story, actually. <laughs> yeah. We love that. <laughs> we love I do, yeah. Crazy life story. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go pretty far back to get to. to Please do. Yes. Yeah. We want it all. <laughs> so Start I'm, on the day you were I'm, born. I'm, no. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Go back to when you decided to come to Earth. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I chose this body um, <laughs> now to to be an artist. Uh, before my identity, I uh, before this life. Now um, I'm. I feel like I'm nine years old uh, because nine years ago is when I got hit in the head, and I call it my recalibration process. Before that, I was born and raised in a small village in Southeast Alaska called Petersburg and I was raised in a cottage with no electricity or running water um, by my amazing hippie parents Uh, and so I was a you know I'm from a fishing village everybody there is either a fisherman or doing doing different things and gold or oil and it's just kind of our nature uh, to to be on the water and I love the ocean so I yeah that that was where I was raised in, in the woods and listening to the, the silence of nature and being very inspired by the terrain and the Clinkett and Haida, um, Native American energy of, of the land of my home, uh, which I feel is such a big part of my art now. And it, um, it was a place that it's about 3000 people, uh, on my, on my Island there. So I didn't really ever think that I would have much opportunity to, to leave. But I got Miss Alaska uh, 2004, uh, Miss Alaska Hawaiian Tropic, and then Miss Alaska Petite Teen. How did uh, that even come about with you entering a pageant? It's <laughs> weird. Uh, I was actually working as a hostess at a restaurant, and this guy came in and was like, gosh, you're pretty. You should come and do this pageant. <laughs> and I was 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't go to a bar. And my mom, I can't go to a bar. The, the contest was at a bar. And she was like, well, bring your mom. She can chaperone you. And I go to this contest. I'm the youngest girl. I'm blonde, little. Or, and, um, or I think I was actually a short-haired redhead at the time. And I was a little rock star. <laughs> uh, but I, I go to this con- competition and I ended up winning. Um, and I didn't have much money then, you know, and the, the bar, the owner of Marlantini's bar sponsored me to go to <laughs> next contest. And I ended up winning that contest and I got Alaska. And then I ended up going to Hawaii to compete against the most beautiful women in the whole world. Um, wow. uh, and I was the youngest. The only redhead, the only short-haired girl. Wow! <laughs> and I think I was one with real boobs, also. Because <laughs> everybody was just these beautiful, gorgeous Barbie girls, and and I felt really out of place. You know, I'm not. I never really had that much confidence growing up. Um, but it it fueled me and and showed me that man, this might be my golden ticket out of here. Mm-hmm. So I started just working out and 
And through that, I made contacts with agencies and and uh, then I got uh, lined up to do another contest for Miss Alaska Petite Teen, which I won in 2004, wow. uh, which prompted my move to California to chase a dream as a, as a model and an actress. Um, by 24 years old, I was a Screen Actors Guild actress. Mm. I had eight magazine covers, spreads and Maxim, uh, FHM. I was a cover, I had the cover of Caribbean Tan Calendar. I did a lot of amazing things that I never thought I would be capable of doing. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's like such a wild ride. Just yeah. that in and of itself. It's my old me, too. It's not who I am now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was, I, I got hit in the head to kind of be put on a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but going back, I, um, so I lived in Hollywood for about six, seven years and loved it, but I, it wasn't for me for after a while, I started realizing, like, I really wanted to have, um, real friends. And I got sick of, of fake people and people blowing smoke up my hiney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you like, can speak plainly. Me- it's okay. <laughs> um, I can't, okay, good. We're an explicitly but, rated <laughs> show. It's fine. Good. <laughs> Cause I, I, I do, I do talk like a sailor girl. <laughs> so do I. You're in good company. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I got really sick of this city and, and fake people just blowing smoke on my ass and, and telling me, you know, that that just, just yeah, you know, it's a it's a cutthroat business there. Uh, so I I ended up getting um, a major motion picture with Samuel L. Jackson uh, called Lake Be Paris. I played oh. a stripper in the movie. I don't get <laughs> naked, though, no titties, but I played a stripper, and it typecasted me. Um, Oh, oh, I bet it did. Yeah. No, and I and I really didn't like that. Like I mm-hmm. was paying to be an actress. I was studying acting. I was mm-hmm. doing. Uh, I was flying all over the world. Was booked for four months at a time. Couldn't even go on a date unless I like planned two months ahead to fit into my schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was on a roll, but that movie kind of made me. It just gave me an attention that I really didn't like, mm-hmm. and so I ended up taking a break from the industry and, and was like, God, I, I think I need to go home to Alaska. Like, I really feel like I need to connect with my roots again. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to, to Petersburg and got a job, uh, commercial salmon fishing, uh, in the inside passage where I'm from. And it was amazing. It was definitely really what I needed. It, it showed me that I'm, I still got it. I'm not a city girl. Well, what was uh, that like just being on a commercial yeah. fishing rig? Like, is that, I'm assuming, and correct me because I could be totally wrong, a male-dominated profession? That is correct. And uh, and yeah. yet, what was what is that like as a, and I'm going to say it, a beautiful, young, fit woman? It's hard. Like, it, just it, what was that was like? Was it hard to be taken seriously? Yeah. Like, you can I mean, get out there and do the job just like those guys can, right? Well, actually, it's funny because uh, I was a wrestler from uh, middle school into high school. I took fourth place at state against men That's uh, in awesome. 2000. So I've always been a, a tomboy girl, mm-hmm. even though I'm I have a, I've, I'm pretty. I'm definitely, I felt like I was a man growing up. I'm from mm-hmm. a state where it's one woman to 10 men. Mm-hmm. So I joined the wrestling team when I was younger just to give me some way to stand up for myself and to fight. I was a, I, I've gotten a lot of fights growing up, <laughs> um, just because that's kind of the terrain. It's a right. fast mm-hmm. it's, rugged. It's rugged, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so 
being a wrestler, um, I just have a, a, a dominating um, fierceness to my energy. Yeah. Uh, so fishing for me was not that like really the hardest part is just the the body work. It really takes a toll on your body. Uh, but a lot of women do fish and really strong, amazing women, beautiful women. I got some really gorgeous girlfriends that that fish and and they still do it. And they'll probably do it for the rest of their life. Where where my mom is a fisherman, my brother is a, a he does crabbing in the Bering Sea, and uh, my mm-hmm. father was a, a professional mountain alpine climber. His name was Peter Close, mm-hmm. and so I, I come from a family of extremists where I was never told that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I was told that I could do anything that I put my mind to. That's and awesome. And so I, li- I live by that, and it, it um, really definitely pushed me. Even even days on the boat when I was out there, just you know, God, this sucks. It's just rainy. It's shitty weather. It's stormy. I'm scared. I'm freezing. I, I'm freezing. It sucks. Like, but I got this. I can do this. I'm not giving up. I'm not a person that gives up easily. So I I I, I actually really liked that. Like there was a, an adrenaline and a an addictive thing behind it. You know, when you mm-hmm. catch a couple couple hundred salmon you're like i did it yes i'm making money more 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 and it just, it's kind of it, it kind of becomes addicting in a way <laughs> but, now, were you out yeah. on the boat for really long periods of time um well you what you do when you're salmon fishing is you'll, you'll go out you'll take some you'll catch your fish you'll bring it to a tender or you can bring it to shore to unload and then you go back out and you have three days off um four days on uh, there was one point though where I was on the boat for a month. We never stepped off onto land. We only got we only docked up in a harbor, and it, it was in this cove uh, outside of Ketchikan where we would go out and fish, drop the fish off on a tender boat, and then go and park in the the cove. And we couldn't go on onto land because it was like a special kind of like a lodge area where tourists would go to, and it's like ten people lived there. Oh, so, only yeah. tourists allowed. No, no fishermen are allowed to step foot. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> just that in and of itself is yeah. incredible and right. and a very unique experience that most people can't even imagine. So you go from salmon to being what? What kind? What kind of fishing did you go into from there? So after that, so from salmon fishing, I it made me kind of realize like I don't want to be in the city anymore. I think I'm done with modeling and acting. And I modeled for a little bit after, but I ended up moving to Tahoe. And uh, that that next summer, uh, I believe it was 2004, no, uh, 2009. I went. Uh, I heard that I could make a lot of money squid fishing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I I got a lot of buddies that, that own their own squid boats, and, and they go all up and down the coast of California, Washington, down to, to the coast of, or to the border of Mexico. And uh, a buddy of mine, Patrick Benner, uh, who, uh, rest in peace, my, my good friend, he uh, got, got me a doll on a squid boat, and uh, I took it. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. And I got on that boat. I realized not many women squid fish. It was nothing like salmon fishing. It was big sea, not in the inside passions. This right. was like uh-huh. straight open water, 20 foot swell. Mm-hmm. And the boat that that I got put on, um, it was really old. 
it was a 25 by 50 foot vessel. Um, my, my skipper, my, my, my captain, uh, was running it. And then there was like a, another helper and I was running the lead line and the other deckhand was running the cork line. And then there was one other crew member that was running the, the boat that pulls the net away from the main boat to keep it in a circle. So it's a crew of like four, sometimes five will bring another person on, but, um, yeah, I got a I got a job doing the lead line because unfortunately the other dude had a bum leg and couldn't couldn't do the the lead line as much as as fast as I could I guess and I was too small to stack the corks because I'm five foot four a hundred and like nineteen twenty pounds <laughs> and uh, and so Petite. I it was, yeah very little <laughs> but I was like oh my god what the fuck did I get myself into <laughs> but I'm not quitting now I'm here <laughs> like. I'm here. So I, about a month in, um, just chasing calamari up and down the Pacific from, from Monterey down to San Diego. About a month in, we got, um, into a really, really gnarly storm. Um, and, uh, that night it was the scariest night of my life. I'm sure. I'm like choking up a little bit, but it was the scariest night of my life there. We caught 5,000 herring on accident and, uh, during the time that we were, try- there was no other way to basically get the herring out of the net because we were fishing for squid. So the only way we could get the herring out was squishing them. And this was such an old boat that there wasn't, uh, what do you call it? There wasn't a drum that brings a net in. Uh-huh. We had to do it all manually. Oh my so God. I had to pull the lead line, which is about a 30, I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly how heavy it is, but I want to say like holding it, it's a lot like it's a it's a it's a really thick lead line that goes for about like two miles I think oh two or three God. miles and it makes the net sink to the bottom while the corks keep the net up to float right. so I have to circle the lead line when it comes into the boat in these huge circles like probably about like I don't know five foot circles stacks and stacks and stacks so that when it comes onto the boat and goes off it just goes out right smoothly uh-huh and so when the net, when we caught all these, these herring, um, there wasn't a, um, a drum on the boat. We, they had to go up into this beam above us and, and then the net would drop down and I had to pull my side, my, my, uh, lead line to the left while the other deckhand pulled the cork line to the right. And, uh, so the, the herring were getting squished above us, creating what uh, some fishermen call a Christmas tree because their blood and guts were everywhere. Oh 5, my God. I was in like up to my knees, blood and guts, uh, water, the storm while we were squishing the, the herring to get, get them out of the net. Seriously, uh, the, a horror <laughs> movie. Oh I'm, I'm... Yeah, it was horrific. And I'm writing a book about this actually. Oh, right oh my God. And then the whole time the boat is rocking and everything's crazy. And oh yeah. It's raining. Oh yeah. And... I, and so you have to have your legs spread, like spread wide so that you don't go overboard. Oh so you're constantly God. like spread legs, hands on the net. Don't let go of the net. That is your safety thing or I'm going overboard. So constantly I had my hands on the net. Jellyfish is falling at my face. Blood and guts oh. are all over me. Jellyfish is in my eyes and my mouth going down my, my whole wet, wet ring gear. Like the, the, the rain is coming in sideways, needles going up my nose. While, <laughs> while the storm is picking up, the other boat that's supposed to pull the, the, the fishing net away from the boat 
I don't know what was happening because this the, it was, the storm was so gnarly that I don't think he was pulling the net away from the boat because it was getting caught up in the propeller and getting ripped apart and, oh and bumped up in the propeller while we're trying to get it out of the propeller and there's fish and guts everywhere. I'm falling. Everybody's falling. There's, it, it was like seriously like a horror movie. And um, uh, during all of that, we, we fought for a good 12 hours trying to get the net out of the, 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 the lead line out of the propeller. And, you know, with the, with the, the circling of the ocean, making it go up against the boat and, you know, not being able to, to get it out of the line, when we finally got it out, um, I, we, I guess we went up a wave sideways sort of and I had my you know I'm constantly looking up but I have a hat on and then I have to have like some sort of sometimes I wear sunglasses I had to wear like uh, uh, clear glasses because you get jellyfish in your eye and you like can't safety goggles stop. like some yeah but you okay. can't just stop and drop the net and hey hey I need a break <laughs> you can't no, you're in it <laughs> you're in it you're constantly working like I was ripped I was tired I my veiny muscles like I was definitely a beast at that time after after circling all the things so uh anyways I got I uh got kind of not slack lined but when the net came out of the water it was in a bundle and it slacked down and dropped and hit me in the side of the right side of my um my head like a sack of potatoes just I don't know if it nicked me or what, but it definitely knocked me to my knees. I, I, I didn't see it happen. Um, the other deckhand did though, I guess, but I couldn't, I could kind of hear him screaming at me. Really what I remember is like, I, I went into another world. Everything was sparkly and everything was silent. Um, kind of like a mushroom experience. Wow. <laughs> I was like, am I tripping right now? Like, uh, where am I? Like, I, I just, all I knew was don't let go of the net. Don't let go of the net. Don't let go of the net. Hold it. Hold it. You know, the storm's happening. But I was in another world. Like, like another la, dimension. La, 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 la. Da, 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 da. I, and I just remember, like, this, my skipper coming up and bringing me into the, into the, um, the cabin and making me put ice on my head and checking my eyes, which were super dilated. And Did I you lose eaten. consciousness? I... I didn't, because I remember I was throwing up. I hadn't eaten, but I just was throwing up, trying to throw up, throw uh, up, like yeah. just instant sickness. And nice. I never get seasick. I was raised on the water. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, you know, just mm -hmm. didn't. TBI, really... man. Yeah, straight up right away. I And, um, and they uh, took me to shore after that. I don't remember actually what, <laughs> how they even got the net in or what happened, but I, I know that I got brought to the hospital. It is a miracle that you even got <laughs> to the hospital. Yeah. From I'm, out of I'm that storm. Pretty lucky. I, it, this experience can decapitate people. And it has. That's what it, I was thinking. Like you could have killed a lot of fishermen have died this way. Uh, I had a blood clot in my brain and I didn't know it. I, I have, Severe scar tissue now on the outside of my head, but I have no physical. You can't really tell that I have a brain injury. I look normal, mm -hmm. but inside, instantly things started to change. Instantly, I, 
I didn't know that I was asking the same question over and over. I didn't, um, my boyfriend uh, brought me to the hospital and he started kind of getting frustrated with me. Like, Brenna, you keep asking me what, what the name of the CD is like five times. Stop asking me. Like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. What are you talking about? Like, he's like, no, what? Like, and I didn't know, like I had a lot of pride back then. I was, I was pretty, pretty ruthless. You know, I was a hard worker, intense woman. Um, I wouldn't admit that I was fucked up. Well, and it it's really not... scary when someone's telling you yeah. that you're doing something that you have no idea you're doing. But I also had about a 15 minute, uh, 15, I, I think it was like a 15 second memory span. Oh, wow. um, I couldn't remember past like, I couldn't remember um, conversations. And it, it didn't really... I didn't get that messed up right away. I mean, I, I got messed up right away, but it, it got worse after about six, seven months. I just kept going downhill, downhill, downhill. Um, through time, I didn't know if I had eaten. I forgot if I was walking my dog. I didn't, couldn't tell you where I lived. I forgot where my P.O. box was. <laughs> what even, like, just basic things. Wow. And um, the only way that I realized that was a good friend of mine, um, she, a good friend of mine, Timbanova, she took me into her house to take care of me because I, I didn't really want to go home to Alaska. <laughs> I didn't want to admit I was messed up. I wasn't the kind of person to admit defeat. But um, my friends started to, 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 to really break it down. Like, you need help. You're not, you're not functioning. You know, I started getting hypersensitive to, to daylight. Um, Basically, what happened to me is I got hypersensitive to sight, sound, taste, and touch. Um, I had to wear sunglasses all the time. I couldn't handle fluorescent lights. I couldn't handle uh, daylight. I couldn't go outside without sunglasses. Um, loud noises made my head pound. I had seven types of headaches. Uh, from needles in my eyeball to ice picks stabbing me in the back of the head, hammers hitting me. I felt like I was being uh, sacrificed like a voodoo doll constantly. I didn't know that I was um, that my fibromyalgia syndrome, which is the pain syndrome, had mm -hmm. taken place because all the nerves in my brain got ripped apart mm -hmm. on the right side of my head, and the nerves in my eye, on my right, my right eye got ripped apart causing my eyes to overlap and for me to see tracers, um, energy wavelengths, kind of like I was tripping constantly and I couldn't understand it. My brain was trying to make up for it, trying to, yeah, trying to handle it. And so it was creating all these different headaches and stuff. And I didn't know that then, but I, it, it was absolutely debilitating. So I, I had, I called my mom. I was like, I need to come home. And, um, I went, to, to, to be with her. I'm just like wondering how long were you in this place of suffering the physical pain, the, the anguish, uh, the there. mental anguish, all of that. How long was this going on before you were finally yeah. getting some help? Well, I, I had fibromyalgia still, um, mm. but my headaches have stopped. Thank gosh. I, the biggest doctor that I, I've seen a lot of doctors, a lot of doctors, um, but the one that helped me the most was my neuro-optometrist. Hmm. I didn't know that your eyesight is such a big part of a brain injury. 
Mm. How you see things changes. Wow. How you feel changes. Not one brain injury is the same. Every brain injury is different. It is a crazy study that people are still trying to understand. So not so a lot of doctors didn't know how to fix me or didn't know really what was going on. Um, and after about after living staying with my my mom for a little bit, I I realized uh, that my I, I finally realized that my memory was was gone because I got shown like I, I went to, to I think it was a a neurologist or somebody, but he did some tests like showed me five pictures of something. And I only remembered three of the five pictures. And he's and I argued with him. I was like, no, there was three. He's like, no, Renna, there were five. I'm like, no, there fucking wasn't. There were three. He's like, no, actually there were five. Like you you have a time frame. You have about a year time frame for any brain injury kind of to get back to where you were. He said, if you don't get into a traumatic brain injury facility as soon as possible, you'll, you will never be able to be who you were again. Wow. And I, I realized like that was when I was like, shit, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> wow. I guess this is real. Um, so I checked myself into the Center for Neuroskills in Bakersfield. It was the worst experience of my life. The hospital treated me like shit. They treated me incompetent, like I was just a vegetable because a lot of the people in there unfortunately were really way off way worse than I was some people were hit by semis one young man uh, I had to see his mother tell him every day he was 30 and she had to tell him every day when you were 18 you got in a car accident and your girlfriend's gone and all this stuff he, he, she had he, it was intense you know like I saw like I am like these people now I I am, I have a brain injury. I'm different. Oh, I had to admit I've been defeated. Um, not defeated, but just, oh, I, I, I felt defeated. I did. I, I, I did. Yeah. It was really hard. Um, but I worked hard. Like luckily this hospital showed me how messed up I was. Mm -hmm. Um, they showed me how short my memory was. Uh, I, I had such a, a normal human can do five things at once with their brain. They can talk to you while they're thinking about what they want to have for dinner. Uh, they can think about what's going on in the other room uh, that they have to go pee or, you know, mm -hmm. and then like other things, sound, sound and things. I can only focus on three things at once now. Um, so my, my, I have like my attention span. I have to like focus on one person. I can't listen to other things going on. I have to like, uh, you know, really focus on certain things. And I figured that out because of the little studies like like this one where they had like pins and, and marbles and things that they would, were all organized and they would dump them out onto the table and put a radio on and had timed me organizing it back into the thing. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do it with the radio going. But mm -hmm. it, it, and then they would time it. And after, you know, a month they would show me like, they, after about a month, they would add a TV and the radio while I was organizing things. And I, and my attention span was like, ah, I, I can't do it. <laughs> Too much going on. And, um, but it, it showed me like, I needed to work on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They would tell me numbers, say, say how many numbers back in order. I would only remember two. And then I got to remembering four numbers and then I got to remembering five. 
um, and I, like I started to see my progress, but I also started getting worse. Mm. Um, this hospital, they wouldn't let me, uh, well, basically they were just feeding me full of drugs and I feel like they were feeding me full of drugs to just make me, I don't know. I, I, it was to keep you just kind of calm and not have to process the trauma and not have to deal. That's what I'm hearing. And it's so sad. I feel so just sad for people that are in that situation Mm -hmm. in that kind of facility where there is like just a, the whole goal is to numb everybody down. How do you get, I don't feel like, like, uh, none of the nurses are really there to support these, Mm -hmm. these patients. And, and I, that's why now I personally feel like I, I want to stand up for, for brain injured patients. Mm -hmm. I want to stand up for people that can't stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have a conversation and get my words out right. I would stumble and I would I would be very blunt. I, I lost my speech. I would walk into walls. I had left spatial neglect where what that means is I would look at my, my left hand and I couldn't connect it to my body. I would look at it and I'd be like, that's my hand. I can't move it. And, and, um, and it was weird because I could look at it. Yes, it's connected to my body, but how can I not work my, my hand? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so when I was in the hospital, because I couldn't, you know, leave, they wouldn't let me leave. I was an inpatient. I had to be on video, so they would make sure I wouldn't put a fork in the microwave, make sure I wouldn't hurt myself also because I was really depressed. But um, I, I found out that fire dancing, fire dancing uh, kind of helped me connect my left and my right side of my body because it, it I didn't light light my my poi on fire right away, of course, mm-hmm. but I used these tools to to go left, right, left, right with my left hand, and then the other way with my right to kind of create the space from my body because I would hit myself with my left hand, and then with my right, I, I, it would work correctly, but it, my left hand wouldn't. And I, it's kind of like vertigo, uh, where when you're like walking down a hallway, you'll just go to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helped me a lot to kind of create a connections, a connection with my body because I felt like my body wasn't mine anymore. So my was reflection this something in the mirror that, that they recommended. Nope, I did it on my own because I I had I had gone to Burning Man the year before I went uh, squid fishing and I I fell in love with fire dancers, so I got mm-hmm. some toys, and it was something I really liked to do before my accident. So I found it to actually be a form of meditation and a way for mm-hmm. me to escape myself because uh, I didn't, ha- I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't paint and I couldn't make art. I couldn't make jewelry. Uh, I, I couldn't recognize myself in the mirror. I forgot how to do makeup. I forgot how to cook basic, simple, simple things. Well, um, things that are, have, were just kind of like this innate part of you, right? that we don't mm-hmm. feel like that's anything that we would ever be separated from. And no. then you have you going through this experience where, where you're really like pulled out and you're like an observer of, mm-hmm. of everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt, I felt kind of like I woke up out of a coma in a beautiful grown woman's body. Mm-hmm. And the only way I knew my past was because of my Facebook. Wow. I studied my Facebook every day every day did it feel like you were reading about a stranger yeah a beautiful woman this mm-hmm. model this actress this girl that i was like how how did i do that how 
was I that way? Mm. I did movies. Mm. So you're going also, so on top of everything else, the physical aspects, the rehabilitation aspect of just that process of healing, but you're also having to mourn. Mm-hmm. And I, and uh, I, I started seeing a therapist and she put it this way. You, you've been grieving. Well, like finally, actually the last two, two, three years, I'm finally happy. I feel like myself again. I'm independent again. I have a career with my art mm-hmm. and it's the saving grace because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> well, it's, um, it's a, that's a hard thing to put into words. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. honestly, let's just, it, it's always, we're, we're limited by our, our verbal language, you know, cause I can, even though we're thousands of miles apart, mm-hmm. I, I feel you. We feel yeah. everything you're saying. Yeah, thank you, sisters. We feel the energy of it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many layers to the whole thing, you know? I mean, there's so many many layers layers to any healing journey, you know, that any any one of us are having. Yeah. And it's so important to stay positive Mm -hmm. and to love yourself. And that's really what I learned. Um, To love to love my darkness because mm-hmm. yeah, I was in the, I've been in the grieving process of, of missing my old life, missing an identity. Cause I, I, I really felt like a child naked, vulnerable, couldn't sex was new. Mm-hmm. Um, food, certain foods I didn't like anymore. I couldn't be touched. I was so sensitive that if I was touched, it would just make my skin crawl and it would hurt because mm-hmm. I have fibromyalgia and, right. And, and it, so even my hands, you touch my hands, I'm ticklish in my hands. Like I'm very sensitive now, but I've made it a superpower. I have made it something for me, um, that I can use. And I've been putting it into my art because, uh, for, for a while I, I couldn't paint and, and finally it clicked because I tried, I, I, I wouldn't give up painting. My mom was an artist and and it was just kind of like something I really wanted to do again. I, I, I was an artist before, but not like I am now. How I see things now, there's a lot of, uh, I, it, I'm kind of on a trip a lot of the time. Like mm-hmm. I see light constantly. Um, I, there's no full darkness for me when I'm in the dark. I can't see in the dark. Light is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really sensitive. And I put that into my art now, which is really fun. The colors mm-hmm. are different for me. It's been fun. It's a it's a journey. <laughs> what was your artwork journey. like before? Um, B- before before I, I really loved Archie, Betty, and Veronica stuff. I did a lot of like cartoon things and mm-hmm. and uh, goddess women, but it it wasn't like like what I do now. And and because I I started studying from master painters, mm. I. I went back to school when the, when the doctor said, you will never be independent. You will never be a mom. You're fucked up. <laughs> I was like, actually, that's, that's, you, you guys can, can go. Actually, you're fucked up. Yeah, actually, saying you're fucked you're up. fucking wrong and so get I the went, fuck out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, actually, you guys can just take that and put it away because I'm going to go back to school. And I did. I went back to, to college and studied psychology to understand. I wanted to know what happened to me. Uh, so I, I took a class in psychology and then I, uh, English and then painting and then sculpting. 
and it showed me uh, what happened. I learned what had happened to me. I, I, you have two hippocampuses in your brain, which are your memory areas. One of mine, I, I, I want to say it went away. It, it disappeared. Luckily, I have another one um, on my right, on my left side of my head. <laughs> but um, it, it, it helped me learn that I can find other ways of making my memory work because I do have a terrible memory. But um, through therapy, I, I found ways, you know, making a lot of lists, uh, remembering names, like saying things in my head or, or, or uh, creating visual. I have a photographic memory now. I try and take pictures with my, my head um, or my mind. I've, I've found a way of making what I have work for me. And, um, and so, yeah, so, so going back to, to school kind of showed me like, hey, I, I can make new memories. Luckily, I can make new memories. Yeah, I'll never remember who I was, but I can at least be who I want to be now. Mm-hmm. And who is that? And my, my quote that I use is, one day you might wake up and not know who you are. That's the day you get to decide who you want to be. Wow. And so I did. I was like, I want to be an artist. This is obviously the only thing I, I feel like I'm good at. I, 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 can, I can paint. Um, so I just need to study and I found this artist on my Facebook, you know, while I was also studying myself, because uh, I studied my Facebook a lot, and um, and I started deleting pictures and deleting my old life to accept a new one, you know, mm-hmm. like certain things, because I'm not that sexy chick anymore. I was a bikini swimsuit model. I, del- I deleted a lot of those photos because I don't want to be that girl anymore. That's not me. That's an old person, and so I started focusing on my art, and I found this amazing artist. She's the most, one of the most amazing women I've ever met named Amanda Sage. And she is a visionary painter, um, much like Alex Gray, who is another just fascinating, fascinating artist. They're both just absolutely mind-blowing, transformative, transdimensional, just uh, love them both so much. I haven't met Alex yet, but Amanda really did save my life. I found her online as she was teaching this workshop called How to Paint with White. Wow. <laughs> I needed it. I, mm-hmm. I I needed to see how to paint with light because that's what I do. I have light in me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how I see now. So I took this course with Amanda in LA for a week. And I painted this painting of me with a third eye and deer antlers. And I was blown away that I painted it. I, I just couldn't believe that I painted it. I was like, fuck, I can fucking paint. Yes. <laughs> So I was like, wow, this is, this is definitely what I, I need to keep doing. So I, I kept um, following Amanda because she, she's just a muse. She has a beautiful vision for just sharing love. And, and uh, so I started following her um, and taking classes with her. And Amanda is one of many apprentices, but one of the only ones that studied with Ernst Fuchs um, for like just – I forget, I don't want to say the specifics because I forget, And I, I um, but I know that she was one of his main apprentices since she was 18 years old. Ernst Fuchs was the surrealism godfather of the visionary artists, kind of what, what a lot of visionaries call him the godfather, because mm-hmm. he started the surrealism movement, um, and he just passed away a couple years ago, but he was good friends with Dali, and they were, mm-hmm. you know, obviously fucking cool out there people and Amanda studied with him and so I've been learning a lineage of beautiful wild techniques of old master painting ways 
little tricks that I really needed to 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 just kind of pick up, which and now I'm a sponge for information. I I, I learn things really fast, uh, especially if I use my hands. So I've been just working on it, and not not only have I studied with Amanda, but I've I found the uh, Visionary Art Academy in Austria, mm. uh, where I went to study with a amazing painter named Jonathan Solter, and I studied Daniel Marante in Italy and. Um, several other just fascinating visionaries and and i now i'm i'm so into it i'm 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 addicted to wanting to support the arts for all these other artists and Mm -hmm. i think art art is healing well Mm -hmm. so you're getting into probably then doing creating a lot of your own you know using different mediums to be able to create this effect of light illumination that comes across because it's 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 very clear when I I'm looking at your art and I'm not I don't get to stand in front of it in person but looking at it online I mean your paintings are full of just the most nuanced beautiful um glow of light that there is especially like well and I don't want to get into that right this second but there's like some specific paintings I just I'm blown away by your technique. I'm blown away by, and I'm not, I'm not the painter like Melissa is, but I do appreciate and understand art. And from that aspect, it's very compelling. You can see the care and the technique. There's a lot, there's everything to be said about being able (laughs) to have that ability, you know, and to be able to see in your mind's eye and translate that onto the canvas. That's always the rub, you know, of being able to do that. And it's quite stunning. Thank you. It's been so healing because I, I definitely see things. Um, I, now, in a way, I I have lucid dreams. I leave my body very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I don't know, I, I'm very empathic. And, and it's been nice to have a, a, a form of, release where I can be in solitude and I actually kind of don't really think when I'm painting I go somewhere else which is really really nice for me a lot of layering (laughs) to me I look at your painting and all the different elements included in your paintings and I would say that you're channeling I mean I would call that channeling I definitely would I would agree um, I, I feel like there's something else in me uh, using me as a vessel in a way. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I feel like, of course, my body isn't mine. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there, I've been given a gift to be here now because um, I, I, I should have died. Definitely should have died. I lost. <laughs> I lost uh, so much to, I feel like, be recalibrated to be on this path now. Yeah, I, I would say I am channeling, but I, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. Well, do you yeah. see, like, I mean, I, we were had the light worker um, painting pulled up, mm-hmm. the light workers painting, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we noticed that there were some very unusual looking beings in, yeah. in, in your and painting. I, and, I'm, and I was like, <laughs> I said to Marilyn, like, I wonder if she sees these beings. Like, do you see them? Like, are you I, visiting with them while you're painting? Do you feel their, their presence and their, you know, their, do you feel them coming through you and wanting to be 
very much so. And at times I feel very out of place in this world. Mm -hmm. I am connected to different, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, that painting is about, is, um, is me lying on the table being fixed by three mm -hmm. beings with mm -hmm. faces that I, they look like, you know, extraterrestrial, but mm -hmm. I painted that painting so everybody can make it what they need to for themselves. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's my recalibration process being fixed by these beings to be sent back. Do you um, have experiences of feeling that um, experience happening where you're being directly work? I mean, is this something, is this something that continues to happen on a um, ongoing basis with these beings? I feel, um, well, yeah, I, in a way I died and I, I, I tune into to things now. I'm trying to put it into my art and it's helping me connect with other people that are like me, which mm -hmm. is really cool. And, and like you, that you see, you know, that they aren't extraterrestrials. They, they are beings because there are different types of beings and, mm -hmm. and realms and dimensions in this life in this human experience of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and this is my human experience. I, I, that's the best way I can put it. <laughs> so in a way, like everything that happened to you, right? I mean, which of course, once again, there's many layers to that. I mean, the whole, the accident, the physical part of the accident, the recovery, mental, emotional, spiritual components that mm. went along with that mm -hmm. and just your sheer will to and your positive outlook. So, I mean, there's so many layers to that, but I mean, do you feel like the accident and everything that went along with it sort of completely retuned you to a different vibrational frequency? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm a lot for, for, for people. Sometimes I, I, I spend a lot of time alone. Um, before I was an, an extrovert, now I'm an introvert. I, yeah, I spend a lot of time alone. I don't like crowds now. I mm -hmm. feel people and they're hurting and it hurts me. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand this new body of mine and mm -hmm. it's getting cooler and cooler. Right. As your understanding goes along. Yeah. And, and by also connecting with other people that are special, um, it's helping me learn. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to finding more teachers because mm -hmm. I'm also a student as much as I'm right. wanting to be a teacher. Well, you know, as I'm, we all are. We're all connected. Earth, yeah, you know? we're, we're gonna... all connected. Mm -hmm. Truly. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And and I, I actually have been getting into, um, now I'm a performance painter, uh, mm -hmm. where I'll perform at festivals uh, either on stage or beside while DJs are doing their sets and people are, tripping out and mm -hmm. dancing and getting all fun That's cool. but it's been really cool for me to kind of slowly I've been like integrating myself back and and festivals really helped me find myself again because I was like fuck who am I how do I find out who I am let me go out in the world and so I started being a gypsy and going to festivals and traveling and with um with the money from my lawsuit I, I used a lot of it to study and to 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 put into finding a new identity for myself and festivals mm -hmm. connected me with uh, spiritual people and, and, um, and it's been really hard as well as it has been very transformative for me because 
sometimes, yeah, I, I, I do get really overwhelmed with loud music and, um, but it's, it's really good to push myself. I've, I've been learning like, how do I know unless I try, mm -hmm. you know, and this is, it's really nice because festivals have helped me connect with people and it's been fueling my art more by the, by the interactions and the, uh, the input that I'm getting from people. Mm -hmm. People are crying with me over the, that painting light workers. Straight mm -hmm. up, people come up to that painting and look at it and I'll look over and they don't know that I'm the artist sitting there in my gallery. You know, it's a pop-up gallery at a festival and people are crying. Mm -hmm. And I go up to them, I'm like, are you okay? Like, can I give you a hug? And they're just like, God, this speaks to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, thank you for letting me know that because mm -hmm. it makes you know I'm not alone. You're well, not alone. And your you're, art not gets, alone. you're not alone and, and your art gets to be this beacon of light for all these people to connect with it and that's well and it's also like the timing of this mm -hmm. i mean like we look at okay so you're everything that was happening to you like on the you know on this micro level and yet on the macro level because i mean we're two people that have been spiritually awake and aware our whole lives and waiting for this shift in consciousness and trying to assist in bringing it about in whatever ways we could and can and um i mean it's no accident that everything that was <laughs> happening to you happened at this time where people are so receptive and so yearning you have no idea how what you're putting into your paintings might be this trigger for somebody to have an, an entire awakening and and they probably are because i can feel that i mean i, I mm -hmm. look at your paintings and it's just they're it's like any i mean i for us i mean we do like i said reiki and sound healing and so much of the you know this work is with vibrational frequencies and these lay intricate layers and each layer is doing something different to different parts of your brain and your body and your spirit and and that's Ooh. what it reminds me of when mm -hmm. i see one of your paintings that i think that's what i recognized in it right away mm -hmm. is that it, it it's doing something to many layers of your consciousness and your vibrational frequency as you're looking at it as you're experiencing yes. it and yeah. like and for you to be talking about light you know i know we were kind of pondering this question of like do you intentionally and i know we're talking about there's two kind of lights but I'm saying I know the light that you see when it's in the darkness and being infused with that but then there's like the higher light right and it yeah. feels like you're infusing these incredible paintings like I would say with light that light coated exactly like it's, light -coated. See, it's like light coated light encoded mm -hmm. cool yeah <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, you brought up Alex Gray earlier, and I will say, in full disclosure, <laughs> the first time I saw your paintings, when I saw your artwork, what I thought was this is the divine feminine answer to the sacred masculine of Alex Gray's paintings. Oh, because you. Alex Gray, while he is has I, I love him he is transformative he was a huge huge impact in my mm -hmm. life the first time I ever encountered oh, him yeah. 30 years ago mm -hmm. long time ago and um and to see him continuing on and creating the chapel of mirrors creating this like the physical manifestation of these 
works of art that he created and when he paints these women and his his love and 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 there is so much care in there but everything in his art says to me i feel it in that sacred masculine way mm-hmm. and even though there's a lot of other things going on there and you mm-hmm. feel that and i mean feel it in my being and then when i saw your paintings i was just shook and struck by like this is it she's like this this element that has needed in this picture that we're traversing with having art as being a form of healing which i believe we both do believe that it's absolutely healing in its nature not just for the person creating it but for the 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 people that get to experience it and to to see it and so i you know to to just come from this place where everything that I see you talking about divine feminine earth mother nature it feels like this is just such a beautiful message that the collective <laughs> needs right now you know thank you well there's a deep honoring in your paintings within your paintings you know your your sweet loving spirit of course is reflected in that but there is a deep honoring that the collective of humanity needs to see mm-hmm. you know with the feminine with animals with mm-hmm. the elements water the trees the, the wind the ocean the, yeah just for I you mean, having that whole element of the oceans and all the life in- every single thing that we need to be respecting every minute of every day mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. and, and are not, and, and the mm-hmm. way that you give life to them that kind of, yeah, shakes you to the core of your being and, and helps you to, to, to think about things and shift your perception. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's incredible. It is. So it's no wonder that people are coming up to you and they don't even know if you're the artist or not, but they're crying, they're openly weeping or feeling this deep emotional connection and awakening, oh, Yeah, you know? so reassuring for me and it's yeah it's really cool (laughs) it is really cool well we can also help but notice that you have a love for stones and crystals it's in your artwork like the the light worker painting like when you're looking at that it's not just like a bed of crystals it's like the world it's like this it's got a sphere to that shape and um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seeing it like how they come up in um in in other um works and from your own personal because like you've had some pictures with you your stones and mm-hmm. lay them out have you utilized the stones on your healing journey for that purpose uh, oh my goodness crystals are really really powerful to me uh the energy that they put off really helps me a lot i wear a labradorite necklace constantly um because i feel like it helps it helps me ground my psychic um, intuitiveness as well as protect myself from mm-hmm. things that I'm not ready for. And when I don't wear it, I, I do notice mm-hmm. uh, different energies and different things. And when I wear other crystals, I notice. But my whole my house is definitely filled with crystals. And I, I feel like it's, I feel so safe in my home. Mm-hmm. I have crystals under, under my seat in my car. <laughs> crystals oh. everywhere just because they really help. Um, yeah. I feel that they protect me and yeah. they help. Yeah. They give, they give me different gifts. Uh-huh. They do. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you're yeah. talking to two huge. I mean, that's, you know, what, yeah. we do. that's what we do. I and that's what I we are. I your picture too. I love that. <laughs> crystal sisters. Do you feel like, do you um, feel physically and in, in the way that you perceive the energy from the crystals or that the crystals are giving off? Does, is that different than how it used to be before your accident? Like, do you have I, a, a new awareness or a... I have a new awareness for everything. Definitely very connected to the earth and the mm-hmm. vibrational frequency of the stones really helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely very connected to crystals. Well, yeah. what, just because we're always like, you know, what are your favorite stones besides other than Labradorite, other than Labradorite which let's just take a moment to honor <laughs> oh, the Labradorite. Yes, it's Labradorite. Magic, it's the magic stone. stone. <laughs> yeah. Magic, magic. I love, I love Lab. And then Amethyst um, is also, it's it's healing. It, it, um mm-hmm. It's known for helping with addiction, for helping mm-hmm. to protect you and and to guide your creative energies. Mm-hmm. I forget off the top of my mind what, what a lot of the crystals do, but I have them for their aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, smoky quartz, I, I, obsidian, um, sunstones. Gosh. Well, you're uh, right in the middle of sunstone country up there in Oregon. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I do a lot of rock hunting. I do. <sighs> yeah. Well, um, something it's... that really helped, like helped me to understand the magic of earth was ayahuasca mm-hmm. um someone plant medicine. Me, yes plant medicine someone someone a very good good friend of mine um told me that i could get my memories back or fix and fix my fibromyalgia by by sitting in a, a ayahuasca ceremony um and i was like you know what Fuck it. I got what am I what do I gotta lose? I already lost everything. (laughs) (laughs) So I I did. I I flew to Peru and um I uh sat and I got to see my old life from a third person perspective, like up in a corner of the ceiling looking down and certain things that I've gone through that my body remembered but my mind didn't. Mm-hmm. And I got to actually see it happen. And it was the craziest, most trippy fucking experience for me that I was like, this is, this is real medicine. Mm-hmm. And, and so since, since then, like it, it made me fall in love with myself again. It made me like, basically I was like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be here. I, like I, I'm about to take my own life. I'm in so much pain. I'm suffering. Why am I here, Aya? Why am I here? And she said, Rena, in order to be a true healer, you have to know true pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she lifted me up and uh, I was levitated in, in, my, in my, uh, my psychedelic trip um, uh, under the, the, the plant medicine. I was levitated and um, shot with axes and arrows and needles and everything that could go into my body like a voodoo doll. I was just pierced and brutalized uh, as I'm just levitating with my arms out. And all of a sudden rainbows are coming in from every corner of the room uh, down the floor. And they come up underneath my feet and up my legs, up my body, over all of the the, 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 the demonic tools and, and axes and knives and piercing things. And it went up my throat, over my face, and then it went, uh, my mouth opened 
and the rainbows went down my throat and I could hear this music. This just like, ah, like angels filling me up with light. And all of a sudden just like I shot everything out of me. All of the light filled me up and I shot all of these things out of me and every hole that those things were in filled with light. And I realized like, this is okay. You know, yeah, I'm in pain all the time, but I can make this my superpower. I can, I can drink rainbows for breakfast. <laughs> I can I, drink uh, rainbows for breakfast. Yeah, that means to put a, a t-shirt. Yeah, yes. It, it, it changed my life. I, I really do recommend if you want to face yourself, if you want to fix your ego, you're suffering from addiction, from, from pain, from abuse, from rape, anything. This will help you not only understand it, but get rid of it and, and, and purge and release it because it, you don't need to hold on to some things. You are allowed to let things go. You are allowed to heal. You are allowed to feel better. You are loved. Sometimes <laughs> you get in our way, and that's something that really helped me to learn is get out of your way, Rena. Wow. You I'm know. just like in tears over I here. I know. We're both, we're both, the, the waterworks are on. Oh, thanks. I'm well, holding back. It's beautiful to hear. I mean, I hear everything and then I see this and I think about like just the paintings I've seen you create and how transformation is such an underlying component that goes through all of these things. It's transformation, transformation, transformation. And you taking all of that on and seeing it in that way and to have that awareness and that deep knowing and coming out of that and having all of that love for you because you're the only one, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unbelievably beautiful. Thank <laughs> you so much for beautiful. sharing that yeah. story. Thank like you. that's yeah. just a profound experience. I yeah, felt like we you. were there. I know. Just I could see the whole that. thing. I know. I could too. Without the vomiting, yeah. <laughs> Without the verge, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, people don't really know of this medicine that there that there are ways of mm-hmm. tapping into our spiritual side. Combo, uh, Aya, um, Iboga. Mm-hmm. I haven't done all these, but there mm-hmm. are, are there are ways mm-hmm. of that are not pills and drugs that mm-hmm. are prescribed by a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on Lyrica for eight years. And I just, I've been five months off of it uh, because I changed my diet. I changed my thinking. I, I realized if I eat an anti-inflammatory diet um, and, you know, try and get more sleep, I, I just like really, really have been working hard on mm-hmm. myself to try and understand who I am now. And right. yeah, and, and to be okay with it. And now I'm super stoked to share it because I, I, I feel if I can do this, so can anyone else. Mm-hmm. Everybody can heal themselves. And the earth provides so many beautiful. I mean, the, she's the, providing those plant she, medicines. She provides I mean, everything on. that we need everything. for our own healing journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, grandmother is wise. <laughs> the yeah. wisest. Yes. yes. So, um, what do you got coming up on your horizon? Like, I know that you're going to be having a. Uh, an art opening what else are you 
how can our the people that listen to this episode connect with you and mm. you know maybe because we got people all over yeah well i'm i have my first ever solo exhibition in portland oregon at the nectar cafe and i will have a lot of my originals up there as well as prints and stuff and it will be uh up until november 9th Uh, I'm also starting to do motivational speaking. I'll be speaking for the Stroke Foundation um, on November 6th because I basically had the equivalent of a stroke. My, uh, my, what I went through is kind of like that. I went through Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that stroke patients have have experienced. And so I'll be talking for the Stroke Foundation. Um, I just did a talk at the Visual Arts Center here in Newport. Uh, And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to just being able to, I, I would love to do a TED Talk someday. I don't know. I have I have some ideas. And um, yeah, it's just that the beginning. Awesome. Did you mention you're working on a book right now? I am. And I'm, I'm going to call it my human experience, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's the title I like so far. I like but that. I, like I want to call too. it my human experience. And it it, uh, it starts on the boat and uh, goes into full detail what I went through. And, and my uh, also third person. Uh, I talk uh, in, in a kind of third person, old Rena, new Rena, mm-hmm. what I went through and hopping back and forth. Um, wow. And it's been interesting for me because I don't remember a lot, but memories are coming back to me. I'll smell something, I'll get a memory, and I'm like, God, mm-hmm. wow, awesome. Wow, that was cool. I remember this from my childhood. And it's like, it's like certain things that are coming back. Yeah, it's really, and then there's some things that don't. And I'm like, God, was that, is that a memory of mine or is that? what is that? <laughs> is that my memory or someone else's? It's interesting. And, and so I'm, I'm writing about it and, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm starting to get into teaching. I've been uh, working with children in Mexico. I, I would, uh, I, I've been doing, starting to do some painting workshops. I, I really find joy in rescuing animals and, and helping children. And I'm definitely getting into teaching and I want to help, uh, stroke, stroke, brain injured, anybody that actually has suffered or, or had had loss to find a way to help express himself and to know that your visions, your these things that you have in your head, you can get out of them. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's good too. It's kind of like my way of purging in a way. Mm. Each painting is completely different. Not one of them will ever be the same because mm-hmm. it's all different. Well, it's, it's, that's that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that yeah. message of that. That's, that's, embedded in that painting you know it's that moment yeah that's beautiful i mean just amazing and you are incredible Mm -hmm. you are absolutely amazing thank you so much you guys and i'm so so grateful that uh we connected and that you had a chance to to share your story with us yeah. it is it you know you you are a, a a shining light to this world and um your your healing journey is i'm sure it already has impacted so many people and it's going to continue to light up this world and i'm just so blessed to connect with you just so grateful thank you thank you for for all of that you're doing all that you're creating you're serving humanity in the most beautiful incredible way on all of these different levels that you just spoke about and all the things that you're doing and continuing to do by loving yourself that's huge that's huge 
you know, it's a struggle for everybody. Mm-hmm. Self-love is hard. And, yeah. and you know, I, I will continue to, 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 mm-hmm. to have my ups and downs like we all do. But, yeah, thank you for seeing me and, and resonating and, and feeling me. Oh. appreciate it <laughs> we we are um, very grateful for you and thank you for spending this time today and yes. for our listeners can connect with you by visiting your website yeah i i need to update it or find someone to help me make it better but it's renamonet.com w-r-e-n-n-a-m-o-n-e-t.com and then i'm on instagram at artist underscore Rena underscore Monet. And then my new spirit name is Serpentine Phoenix. So I also have another, um, another Instagram with Serpentine period Phoenix. Following both already. I feel I am now, I've shed, I've shed so many layers like a snake Mm -hmm. that I was burnt like the Phoenix to be reborn. And that's my, my, my fierce, the, the, the serpent energy is really, I have a lot of snakes in my paintings. Yes, you know, people, we, we, that's not say, been oh, unnoticed. That's really demonic, and I'm like, no, actually, no, I find, it's the I coolest find. of the coolest. Yeah. Snake yeah, is all and, uh, about transformation. It's yeah, yeah. it's the it's it's everything. You know, it's we beautiful. have a lot of snakes that come to us in our healing Reiki sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and especially after you do Aya, she never leaves you. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a serpent goddess, the grandmother. <laughs> And um, and she will forever be be helping me and giving me strength. And so, yeah, wow. you are yeah. amazing. You're a gift. You're amazing. You're, <laughs> Thank you. You're yeah. you're, you're so amazing. <laughs> have a uh, have a wonderful uh, day. Beautiful day on the coast yeah. of Oregon. Thank you so much, Sweet ladies. Angel. It was such a pleasure. So much love to so you. So much love. So Thank much you. Love. Thanks, love Rena. You and I love all of you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We could just go on and on and on. But so we know we have stuff yeah. to do. Okay. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. I love Renna so much. I loved talking to her. I loved hearing her amazing story, everything she shared, just incredible. The energy of love that flows through her is absolutely palpable. And I know that everybody felt that. Yes, truly. You can't help but feel that her, mm-hmm. her, I know. Level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And accountability. And. Authenticity. Her bravery in sharing that Vulnerability. Story. Oh, yeah. It is so amazing how when you reach a different level on your spiritual path and you go back and revisit these things, the level and the depth of the self-awareness and how you can look at everything as such a blessing and such a gift and have so much gratitude. It's absolutely amazing. Well, because that's where that real healing takes place. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that reverberates through all the other layers. Yes. And that's powerful. And you guys, please, I mean, we will put 
some of the pictures of her artwork, the ones that we're specifically you have to follow talking her about. on Instagram, follow her on Instagram, check her out. Artist Rena Monet or Serpentine Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And we will put some of them on our YouTube video. When and we... we'll have some posts <laughs> on our Instagram account that you can see. And of course you can always visit our Instagram to click over to her accounts. That's also another way to get to Rena and, you are going to feel like elevated and it's going to resonate because it's beautiful. I mean, she is a visionary artist. And as a little aside, I asked for my birthday present because my son lives in Portland and I was like, please go to her show and take some pictures I wanted to be there. I wanted a live cam. Right. I wanted him to wear a helmet and put the GoPro, have a GoPro. on. <laughs> Just put it on the headband. And, um, anyway, and so he sent me a picture of the two of them together. Absolutely darling. He and his girlfriend were blown away just completely blown away by her paintings and being there in person. Mm-hmm. And I cannot even imagine how that feels. I just think it's really fucking cool that Teal went, Teal and Emily went and connected with Rena. Mm-hmm. And seeing the photos of them together was so, just made my heart sing. I know. You know, and I yeah. know it did for you as well. It so did. that was really cool. It absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like I got to kind of genetically give her a hug. Exactly. <laughs> Connect with her <laughs> genetically. I'm giving you a hug through my genetic lineage. <laughs> That's how powerful we are. That's, we can. I'm using. As humans. I'm using like my offspring a, as a vessel. It's a different kind of operating system, right? When you get to the level where you can just give someone a genetic lineage hug. Yes. <laughs> Yo, that shit's real. It is real. I felt it. I know. I know. I mean, my heart grew like five sizes. I know. I knew it. Like, I could feel it. It was beautiful. It was very but beautiful. That's real. It is real. So, um, again, if you're in the Portland area, go check out her show. Yes. Check out her art. Support her. November 9th. To... You have until November 9th to mm-hmm. go and see it. So, you yeah. gotta get your buns over there. Get over there. The Nectar Cafe. Also... Some of you have been asking us about the music that we use mm-hmm. in our podcast. As you know, Frequency Jones made our theme music, and you can follow him on SoundCloud. We always put the link. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Fino makes all of our segue music that we use, and you can check him out on SoundCloud as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so support them. Those two guys are amazing. They are amazing. And um, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, we're throwing up our guided meditations that we've created. Uh, so we'll keep making those and putting those up there. If you guys want to check that out, that's a good place to go and get that content. And you can subscribe to us there. Be the Light Podcast right. on YouTube. Be the Light Podcast. That's what it is. And that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find us there. 
And so uh, it's fun to subscribe there. It's we not get like to, trying to find Waldo. Yeah, that's it's where be we the light podcast. be the light podcast. And I'm looking at you, Terry Slade. <laughs> be the light podcast. <laughs> also, if you're wanting to interact with us or if you got questions about an episode or whatever, that's a great place to connect with us. We're, uh, you know, on Instagram and we are on Twitter. We occasionally do a drive by over there. <laughs> And, um, and the YouTube channel. So we're trying to have these other places where we get to connect and you guys can, you know, interact and we get to have conversations. So we love you. We love you. We're happy to be alive. And that's always a good thing. (laughs) There's nothing like a, like a brush with death (laughs) that you really weren't even quite sure in the moment that you were having a brush with death. And then on hindsight, you realize, wow, we could have died, but we didn't. So you're welcome. We're here. (laughs) All right. Until next time. Our amazing theme music was lovingly created by Frequency Jones. Visit our website, BeTheLightRocks.com. We'll connect again wherever you are and whenever you are. So don't you wanna be the light?